Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can go to mynsc.org happenings. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout the week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? It's going to be so much fun. Uh, get out your sermon notes. Today, of all the days, for me to talk about humility is the day that you're honoring me for my birthday. And it just doesn't feel right. And yet, I have, I have been sitting on this sermon now for actually weeks and weeks. I've, I've had it. I, I, I knew I was going to share it. Um, I didn't know exactly that it was going to be today. But it so ties in with what we've been talking about concerning the kingdom of God over the last few weeks that I'm calling this one the habit of humility. And it's kind of a standalone message but it really does connect with the, the, the series that we just came out of uh, called Thy Kingdom Come. I, I want to say this, that this message is just as powerful as the last three have been. And, and I don't mean that egotistically. I just mean the content of learning about the power, the authority, and the dominion of our God and, and, and the, the, the power and authority and dominion that we have in Christ Jesus, that humility is directly attached to that. It, it's... So, so let me say it this way, that you'll operate better in the kingdom of God once you embrace this attitude of humility. We said it last week that humility is the centerpiece of the kingdom of God. And I'm going to show you this in scripture. In fact, so interesting to me that just a few days ago, I, I was at a, um, what we call the district council. It's where um, pastors all over from, the, from all over the state of Indiana gather together, uh, usually in Indianapolis, and this was southern Indianapolis, and we get together one time a year, and there's, there's sessions, preaching sessions, but there's a lot of meetings, business meetings that happen there, and, and um, I, I ran into a, a very dear uh, friend of mine. In fact, he used to be my pastor. He's the one that, that hired me straight out of college. He's the reason I ended up in Indiana in, in the first place is because he hired me, and I, I moved to Indiana to a uh, a, a small community in Northwest Indiana, and I ran into him, and and he, of course we hugged it out, and and uh, you know got caught up a little bit on how each other was doing, and I made him feel old. I I told him, hey, in a few days I'm about to turn 50. What does that make you? You know, and so we had a good laugh about that, and and um, he told me, I said, I said, listen, I was driving by, you know, the, the the church recently, and I see that you're building something. What is that? What's going on back there? And he told me it's a community center for all of the the area youth and and parents to come to, and they have mentoring programs, but they, they not only wanted to help uh, people spiritually and physically, they already have a, a, a physician's assistant that offers free health care to low-income families. He said they, we also wanted to give them an activity center where they could, you know, just come and, and, and not only work, help, help them physically, but spiritually, emotionally, and then, and then in their activity and just their health and their exercise, we wanted to offer that too. And I said, well, great, that sounds like a great idea. And he said, you're not going to believe this. He said, do you know so-and-so? And, -so? and he, he named a certain person. And I said, yeah, I, I know so-and-so. He said, well, well, that guy said that, hey, I'll, I'll pay for the whole thing, over $3 million, everybody. He said, I'll pay for the whole thing. I just want my name at the top of it. And I looked at, I looked at my old pastor and said, what'd you do? He said, I said, no. Like, because this, this building isn't about him. It's about the whole community. And, and can I tell you something? I, it actually, it goes so well into what we're, we're talking about today in, in that, um, let me say it this way, that it's hard to show humility when you feel superior to everybody else, isn't it? 
Like it's hard. If you, if you catch nothing else today, catch that. That it's very difficult to show humility when you think you're better than everybody else. How many know we need an attitude change in our life? We need that. Because all of us, all of us struggle, have struggled, and will struggle with pride. I'm just being honest with you. All of you, I promise you, all of you struggle with pride. Did you know that? It's the reason you combed your hair today. It's the reason that some of you ironed your clothes. Like, notice I said son, because not everybody does. Not everybody's that, you know, like we don't care that much. And, uh, but it, all, of us, all of us care about the way we look. We care about the way we represent ourselves. But, and that's good. There's nothing, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I think Christians above all people should represent ourselves very well. But the heart of that needs to change sometimes. Like, let me say it this way, that that all of us have struggled with pride. We all look for affirmation. We all want somebody to applaud us and to pat us on the back and say, well done. We all, we all love that. We, we all love, we love it when somebody says, hey, you're doing great, or you're so beautiful, or you're so strong, or I respect you so much. It kind of just builds us up. Well, if we're not careful, it not only builds us up as far as encouragement, but it actually, the Bible calls it this, it puffs us up. It puffs us up. And all of us have struggled with, maybe are struggling with pride, or definitely will struggle with pride because the devil is so sneaky. He just sneaks it in there all the time. And sometimes you can be prideful and not even know it. You, you can be showing pride and don't even understand it. In fact, it, something rare happened it, with Jennifer and I a, a few weeks ago where I, I was talking to another pastor and he said, hey, how are things going? A new song. I said, you know, I'm, I'm blessed beyond measure. I just... I, and so, because he's a friend, I just started saying, hey, look what God is doing. And after I, after, you know, and then of course I asked him, hey, how are things your way? And we talked, and after I left, Jennifer said, hey, listen, don't, don't go around announcing that. I said, announcing what? Well, what God's doing, a new song. I, I said, well, he's my friend. She said, yeah, but it might have come across as a little bit prideful. I thought, oh, I don't want to do that. I, I, was, I thought I was having a friend to friend, and, and, yet, and, and yet what happened, what she was saying was, hey, pride was sneaking in there a little bit. And, and I caught it, and immediately I just repented of that. I don't want to do that. And I just looked at her, and I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm just not going to. I'll just say, hey, God's blessing me better than I deserve. He's blessing us better than we deserve. And I'm, I'm just, I just won't give details. So it, it's so interesting. When you, go, when you go to, like, these pastor's conferences I just went to, that, that did you know that the average church, the average church is far under 200 people? Did you guys know that? In fact, it's very rare that a church gets bigger than that. And, and so when you get around a bunch of pastors, the pastors always ask the same questions. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. How big's your church? It's the same question over and over and over again. And I've just gotten to a place in my life, I just don't answer that. Why? Because I don't want, I don't want to have any level of pride in my life. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want that. I don't want to show that. And I don't want to be that, everybody. I just don't want to be that. The pride is so sneaky, isn't it? It's so sneaky. It just the devil just sneaks it in there so casually, so nonchalantly that you don't even realize that it's pride, but then it grows and it grows and it grows and it becomes bigger than what you ever wanted it to be. And I'm going to show you some of the negatives of that. I love what Pastor Larry, you know, Pastor Larry Stockstill is kind of my mentor and, and uh, very special to me. And, he, and, and I've heard him say this a lot of times. He says, Never entertain thoughts of self-amazement. Isn't that great? Some of, some of, we might need to write that down somewhere. Never entertain thoughts of self-amazement. Have you ever known somebody who's just amazed at themselves? 
Like, look what I did. Look what I've accomplished. And I want to tell you about me. And you have a conversation with him. Jennifer and I laugh. A lot of times we're around people. And, and, and we might be with them for an hour. And 55 minutes of that hour is going to be them talking about them. How many know somebody like that? That you're just sitting there listening. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, right, right? And it's just them talking about them over and over and over. And it's rather narcissistic, isn't it? And, and Pastor Larry says it the best way. Never entertain thoughts of self-amazement. Just don't do that. It, it doesn't benefit you. It doesn't benefit them. It doesn't make you look good. They're not impressed by it. Trust me, the person who's always talking about themselves, they're not impressed. The, uh, you're not impressed with them, are you? In fact, on the inside, you're kind of like, stop it. Okay, I'm done. Okay, shh. Uh, you, know. you know what I'm saying? Like you, you think those thoughts, you think like, okay, okay, bring that. Because you know in your, in your heart, in your own life, you know that you don't like it when you see it in others. But it's so easy for that weed of pride to grow in you and go unnoticed. And I was so grateful for my wife for pointing that out. She's, she's like, hey, I don't see that in you, but I saw it today. Let's not do that. Okay, and you know what? Can I tell you something, men? Can I tell you something, husbands? That sometimes we don't like to be corrected by our wives. I know, wives, you're surprised by that. You're totally shocked by that. You didn't know that, did you? Sometimes we don't like it. And yet, if we're wise husbands, dads, we're gonna listen to that. Because my wife is living for my good. That when she tells me those things, I have to know that she's saying that for my benefit. She's not saying that to put me down. She's actually saying that so I can go higher in my relationship with the Lord, in authenticity, in integrity. She's helping me live the life that I really do truly want to live. Husbands, we need to listen to our wives more. All of you ladies had the perfect time, the perfect opportunity to amen me. And ladies, you need to listen to your husbands more. It's true because a husband and wife, you're meant to make each other better. Did you know that? And I'm so glad that my wife and I, we listen to each other. If I say, babe, let's, let's work on this. I see this. She, she'll all the time. She, she's, oh, okay. I, I know. I know. I know. I will. You know, and she'll, she'll see some things in me. And it's humbling, isn't it? Like, hey, I saw that in you. I want you to stop doing that. That's not right. Let's not talk. Let's not say that. Let's not. Oh, I, I, she's, can I tell you this? Everybody has blind spots. I have blind spots in my life. <laughs> my, my spouse isn't blind to my blind spots. <laughs> Sometimes I wish she was, but she's, she's not. And when she, when she highlights them, I need to be humble enough to listen to her and actually come into an agreement with that and allow the Lord to change me instead of me changing her and vice versa. You, got, you guys get that, right? Hey, can I show you this in scripture? It's Micah chapter six, verse eight. It's, a, a, it's really my life verse. And I've had it memorized ever since I was a child, but I'll read it in this translation. He has shown you, O mortal, or O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? Like, like, what is God asking of all of us? What is God really asking of all of us? And he answers this question. He says, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Like, what does, if you're saying, God, what does God want from me? Here's what he wants from you. He wants you to do what's right. Just live, live a life of integrity. 
Just serve and love and care and just do the right thing. And by the way, as you do that, it comes from a heart that absolutely loves and treasures his mercy and his compassion and his grace and his patience and all of his goodness. You can't believe, you're living a life that I can't believe that my Savior actually saved me. I'm so unworthy of it. I'm so in love with you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. That type of life. And then the third thing is to walk humbly with your God. Now, I'm going I'm to point something out to you. He's not talking about a step. He's talking about life's journey. That's why I'm calling this message the habit of humility. The habit of humility. It needs to be your daily walk. Humility should be your daily walk with the Lord. That every time pride tries to sneak its way in, that it is exposed and it is expelled out of your life. That's why, that's why if you're ever around me, and, and, I, and I tell you, pastors need to be encouraged, and I'm so grateful. A lot of people say, hey, great, great sermon today, pastor. That really meant a lot to me. And that means a lot to me when you say that. But if you've ever noticed, I always just say, hey, grace of God. That's just the grace of God. Because just, I'm just learning and will continue to learn this, to just point everybody to Jesus all the time, to have a habit of humility in my life. You know the person who's going to be speaking here next week, and I'll tell you why in a second. Paul Spasik is going to be speaking here next Sunday morning. Wonderful man of God, so meek, so gentle. He, he is the real deal, everybody. You'll, you'll, I don't know that you'll ever meet a person more kind than Paul Spasik in your life. And, and I mean that in all sincerity. And every time you give him a compliment, he'll always respond with, oh, glory to God. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, that's the grace of God. He never takes the compliment himself. He always points people to Jesus. And, and I love it about him that he's just always, and, and he, actually, he, he actually helped me in my life know how to answer people. He challenged me in that way, and he didn't even know he was challenging me in that way. He used to be on staff here until he retired. He was our staff counselor and just a wonderful Wonderful man of God. You're going to love that. I'm going to show you number one. Here we go. Humility is not only a character trait to develop, but also a byproduct of being with Jesus. So if you want, if you want to grow in humility, can I tell you one of the things that you need to do is spend more time with Jesus. And then you'll realize how tiny you are and how big he really is. How wonderful he is. And that any goodness, any, anything that's great in your life, it is, it is a gift from your heavenly father through Christ Jesus to you. Like it is a gift from God. Sometimes people walk around thinking they're big stuff. Can I tell you something? Our savior is the real deal. He's the one that gets all of the praise. He deserves all of the glory. Can I get an amen to that? Let me say it a different way. You don't deserve glory. You deserve punishment. That's why we're saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. That'll preach. And I'm preaching to me, everybody. I don't deserve the privilege of doing what I do. I don't deserve it. I know that. It's the grace of God. I, I was thinking about this. That John the Baptist, John, John the Baptist, he, he was baptizing people. And he had, he had, he had what, what, what in that day they would call disciples of John the Baptist. That meaning, meaning people that sat underneath his ministry, sat underneath his teaching. In fact, they called him teacher. They called him rabbi. And John was baptizing people. And Jesus comes along. 
And Jesus says, John, I want you to baptize me. And John the Baptist, like you and me, would do, no, 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 I'm not worthy of that. You're the one that should be baptizing me. I'm not even worthy to untie your sandal. How could I ever baptize you, Jesus? I mean, if Jesus walked into this room today and said, hey, hey, I want, I want you to baptize me, you would look at Jesus and say, what? You know, I can't do that. Like, I was going to say you're crazy, but I know you're not crazy because you're Jesus. But that sounds crazy. You should be baptizing me. Well, that's the experience that John the Baptist was having. And, and Jesus told him, no, it's good, it's right, it's prophetic that you do this. And so John, out of a heart of obedience and humility, ends up baptizing Jesus. Well, it turns out just a, a little while later that Jesus is in another location, and, and the disciples of John the Baptist come back to John and say, hey, John, Jesus is over there, and he's baptizing people. What are we going to do about this? And, and what they're saying is, hey, remember the guy that you baptized? Well, he's now baptizing. Does he even have the authority to do that? And, and John was looking at his disciples or his, the ones that he was teaching, and he's saying, don't you guys understand? He's the real deal. And he says it this way. He says about Jesus, he must increase, and I must decrease. That was John the Baptist. He must increase. I want him to get all attention, and I don't want any of it. I just, wanted, I just want Jesus to have it. And they'd got it wrong. They were giving attention to somebody they should never have given attention to. See, John had, at that point, he had experienced this personal relationship with Jesus. And he said, now, oh, I get it now. No, 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 he increases and I decrease. And the more that we hang around Jesus, even in our prayer closet, can I tell you something? The more that that's going to be your heart. Jesus, you increase. More of you, less of me. More of you, less of me. And we see this actually in Luke chapter 14. When there were some Pharisees hanging around with Jesus and the, and the lesson that Jesus taught them but it comes after something so significant, something so unusual that we don't talk about this healing very often, but I thought it was pretty good for us to look at it today. Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 1. This is, this is the story. One Sabbath, one Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, so he was surrounded by religious people, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Let's stop right there for a second. Because we always hear about Jesus, you know, giving sight to the blind and making the lame walk and, and raising the dead to life. Like, like those are the miracles that we hear about. The, when was the last time you've ever heard a sermon preached about the guy who was just swollen or the person who was just so swollen that Jesus healed them? Like we, we hear about blindness and we hear about, you know, people who are lame, but we don't hear about abnormal swelling very often. But how many know when Jesus walked into a town, he healed all of their diseases, not just a few, but all of them as he was proclaiming the kingdom of God and actually demonstrating it in his life. And so here we have somebody who has a very unusual sickness, abnormal swelling. And Jesus asked, verse 3, Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. And then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. 
So God, so in this moment, Jesus was actually questioning their hearts, questioning what they really lived out. And he said, hey, listen, if, if, I know you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, but if it was your child that fell into a well or your ox, like your property, that fell into a well, wouldn't you reach down? Technically, that would be working. Wouldn't you reach down and pull, pull that child out of the well or, or, or recover your property? And of course, they're sitting there saying, well, yeah, we, we would do that. He said, well, what's the difference? If I do good, if, if I completely heal this, if I, if I bring freedom and deliverance to this person, how is that any different? And they had nothing to say because they knew that Jesus was right. But they weren't the only ones paying attention that day. Jesus himself was paying attention. Watch what it says in verse 7. Now, when he or Jesus noticed how the guests picked the place of honor at the table, he told them this parable. So he's looking around and everybody's like vying for the right seat. And he's paying attention. And he decides, you know what? I'm going to teach you guys something. When someone, verse 8, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. And then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will, will be exalted. Let's stop right there. So Jesus, he's noticing something. Everybody's vying for the proper seat. They, they want to be respected. They want to sit near the head of the table. They want to sit closest to the host. They want a place of, of honor. And Jesus is noticing what's in the hearts of people. And he actually addresses that in a very unique way. And he says, listen, if the host invites both of you, but you have to give up your seat because you sat too close to the host, somebody more important than you is coming in, and now you have to be moved down. He says, you're going to be humiliated. I'm going to teach you a lesson that is so important for you to know. The more pride that is in your life, the more humiliation you will feel when you fall. The more pride in your life, the more humiliation you experience. Because pride does come before fall, the Bible says. It's not whether or not you will fall, you're going to fall. The question is, how humiliating is it going to be for you? Okay, so here, here. So all of us, at some point, we've all taken a little spill or a stumble in public, have we not? Like there's been a time that you've, you've tripped going into a door, you've tripped over a rug, or you just tripped over your own feet. You don't know what it was. One of those stumbles that you look back and you're like, oh, nothing was there. It was just me. How many have ever done that? Okay, so we've all tripped in public, right? And if you haven't yet, I promise you, you will. If you have two legs to walk on, you're going to embarrass yourself at some point. Now, the question, though, isn't whether or not you're going to fall. The question is, how humiliated are you going to feel? The more pride in your life, the more humiliation you feel. That's what the Bible says. The more pride, the more humiliation. Well, we all stumble and fall. And the first thing that we do if we're out in public and we stumble and we trip, the very first thing that we do is we don't look at the little scrape on our leg. We look to see who's looking, right? 
I mean, all the time. We always look, did anybody see that? And if nobody sees that, you're like, oh, phew, nobody saw that. But if everybody sees it, if lots of people see it, it's pretty humiliating, as if they don't fall themselves. And in fact, you know this to be true. Anytime that you've seen somebody stumble in, in public, you're not making fun of them. You're saying to yourself, I hope they're okay. I hope that, boy, that's embarrassing. I feel bad for them. That, that's embarrassing. Like, you're not putting them down. On the inside, you're saying, well, if I were they fr their friend, I would help them up. I would encourage them and say, hey, it's no big deal. But yet, when you're the one who stumbles and falls, you think you're just going to naturally think that everybody's going to make fun of you, even though that it really doesn't happen. What is that issue in our life? It's pride. It's just good old-fashioned pride. Or should I say bad old-fashioned pride? Right? The question is, when that happens in your life, are you extremely humiliated? Or do you just say, eh, that's life. And go about your day. Somebody would think about that trip and fall moment for the entirety of the day. It would ruin their entire day. How humiliating. Why? We all do it. Like, why? Nobody else is thinking about you for the rest of the day. You're just thinking about you, right? I'm not, if I see somebody tripping, I don't give them another thought. No doubt I've seen probably 100 people trip and fall at some point, or at least trip and stumble during the course of my 50 years. <laughs> at some point, I've seen dozens upon dozens, if not 100. I don't know who they are or where we were. I don't give that a second thought. But some of them had that moment ruined their entire day. Why? Because the bigger the pride, the bigger the humiliation. Can I tell you something? If you have pride in your life, I've just asked the Lord, Lord, correct me in private so that I don't have to be corrected in public. What a great prayer to pray. Lord, correct me in private because I don't want to be humiliated in public. Lord, deal with me in private because I want to represent you well. Let's move on to verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, don't invite your friends and your brothers and sisters, your relatives, your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And you know what he's talking about here? Jesus is actually talking he, he's talking about, he's using business terminology. The Pharisees knew a lot about money because they had a lot of money. Did you know that? The, the Pharisees, by and large, were very wealthy people. And, and Jesus is, is speaking their language, and he says, listen, I'm going to talk to you about a return on investment. That if you build a $3 million building, and you pay cash for it, but it has to have your name, no doubt people will drive by and say, oh, that's so nice of so-and-so to have built that building. And Jesus says, there's your return on investment. You'll get very temporal applause. But if you do it in secret, if you serve and if you love and if you care and if you're generous in secret, he says you will be paid at the resurrection of the righteous, meaning you will not receive a temporal applause, a temporal reward. Yours will be eternal. 
it'll last forever. And it reminds me of a time that Pastor Lowell and I have told the stories years ago now, but I told the story with Pastor Lowell and I. We had a moment years and years ago now that, and I won't give you the whole entirety of the story, but, but Pastor Lowell came into my office and he was really having a rough day. I said, brother, what's going on? He said, I feel so dishonored. I feel so dishonored. And he expected something to happen that, that didn't happen. He just felt dishonored. And, and if you want to know the truth, I, I felt the same way. It was something that happened to both of us. I, I maybe wasn't wording it the way he did. And I looked at him and I said, I said, Pastor, I said, I, I felt that. And actually, I, I took that to the Lord last night. And the Lord told me, he just, the Lord spoke to me. And he asked me a question that I, that I then posed to Pastor Lowell and, and and the question was this, I really felt the Lord ask me, are you living for the applause of man or are you a living for my applause? And I said, oh God, I got that wrong, didn't I? I'm sorry. I was living for the applause of man. But can I tell you something new song? On the day that I stand in front of the throne of God, you're not going to be the one saying, well done, good and faithful servant. It's going to be my heavenly father. And so I've learned to live my life, not for the applause of mankind, but to live my life for the applause of God. I say it like this, and this would never happen. It's impossible for God to lie. So theologically, this would never happen. But, but if, if I'm going into heaven and, and I hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant, I don't want him to have to lie about it. Even though he can't. Because it's impossible for him to lie. But you know what I'm saying, right? Like, I want, I, want, I want to hear those words. I want the applause of my heavenly father. That's what I long for. And Pastor Lowell and I, we cried. We hugged it out. And we, we encouraged each other in the Lord. And we still talk about that day. Did you know that? A day that we were dishonored was a day that God taught us a very deep lesson. A strong lesson that, that our return on investment is meant to be eternal, not, not temporary, not temporary. I'm going to teach you some critical things here. Number two, these will go by very, very quickly. So listen, listen quickly and write quickly. Humility is a kingdom principle in which Blessings flow. Humility is a kingdom principle. We, we said it last week that, that the centerpiece of the kingdom of God is humility. It's the centerpiece of the kingdom of God. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humility is a kingdom principle in which you release the blessings of God upon your life. And can I tell you something? God has the ability to bless you far more than your family and friends could ever bless you. He has the ability to bless you far more than your boss could ever bless you. The blessings of God are greater than the blessings of man. No amens to that. I'm telling you, that's at least 99% better preaching than, than, than the amening that you're giving, all right? So I'm telling you, the blessings of God they will flow on your life when you stay, as Pastor Larry says it, stay low. You just stay low. 
You don't live to be somebody. You live your life to be a nobody so that Jesus will be somebody to everybody. No amens on that either. One, maybe one, all right. Am I helping you today? You live your life as a nobody so that Jesus can become somebody to everybody. That's how you live your life. You just stay low. You just stay low. Three, humility is the ultimate standard of greatness in the kingdom of God. And and Jesus says this himself. He says, you're going to be blessed. Although people cannot repay you, he says, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Jesus also said, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So humility is the ultimate standard of greatness in the kingdom of God. The ultimate standard of greatness is when somebody stays low when they stay low. In fact, if that's true, and it certainly is true, then pride is the ultimate standard of greatness in the, in the kingdom of this world. Let me say it a different way, that pride is the ultimate standard of greatness in the eyes of the devil. In fact, it was pride, the sin of pride in Lucifer's life, in the devil's life, when he opposed our heavenly father and was excommunicated, literally kicked out of heaven. It, pride was the driving force of that. At the same point, it was humility that was the driving force of Jesus Christ when he hung upon the cross for our sins. The driving force of that was humility. In humility, he surrendered his life for you and I. So much so that when he hung on the cross, You know, you saw pictures of him hanging there in a diaper. Not true. He was completely, as we say in the South, buck naked. He was naked. He had no clothing on. It was ultimate humiliation for those being crucified. That they not only crucified them and tortured them physically, they tortured them mentally and emotionally as well. And Jesus humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. The ultimate standard of greatness in the kingdom of God is humility. It's to stay low. I'm going to show you this in 1 Peter 5, verse 5 and 6. It says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. This is so interesting, everybody. Let me say this a different way. He says, clothe yourself with humility. And what the opposite of that is, if you clothe yourself in pride, you're actually going, you're clothing yourself in humiliation. You're clothing yourself and actually humiliating yourself because pride comes before a fall. So we're not to clothe ourselves in pride. We are to clothe ourselves in humility. Verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Let me teach you this, that you don't have a mighty hand, but he does. And he'll work mightily on your behalf. You don't have strength without him. You don't, you don't have what it takes without your Savior in your life. Every good and perfect thing comes down from the Father of lights. Anything that is good in my life, everything that is good in my life has come directly from my heavenly Father. It's his mighty hand at work. It's not Justin's. Justin doesn't have a mighty hand. 
but I am mighty in him. He gives me strength. So I'm going to confront something very quickly. Again, this will go fast, but number four, self-degradation is false humility. So if you think, okay, well, I want to, okay, I'm going to be humble then. And you go around telling everybody how ugly you are and how, how overweight you are or how you have so, so bad of, you know, acne or your hair isn't right or you're balding or it's gray or whatever. Can I tell you, self-degradation is actually false humility. Let me say it this way. Don't put yourself down. Lift Jesus up. The fact that, let me say it another way. That if you live your life putting yourself down, the problem with that is you're just thinking about you. It's very narcissistic in nature. You're just thinking about you. Well, I'm overweight. Well, I'm too short. Well, I'm too tall. Well, I'm too big. Well, I'm too skinny. Well, I I hate my hair. Well, I don't have hair. At least you have hair. Come on, everybody. You don't even know what I'm talking about, right? So humility, humility isn't thinking poorly of yourself. Humility is not thinking of yourself at all. It's just, it's just always thinking of others more highly than you think of yourself. It's always being considerate towards others first. It's just always putting others first. Humility is always thinking of someone else. So Jesus humbled himself even to the point of death on the cross. Why? Because he wasn't thinking about him. He was thinking about you. He was thinking about me. And as I live my life, I I have choices to make. Today, am I going to think about me? Or am I going to think about you? I've had a load of people. In fact, a lot of the leaders here say, Pastor Justin, we're really concerned preaching three services on a Sunday morning. That's a lot. No doubt it's going to take a lot from you. It's going to be very, very tiring to you. And and I told him, hey, I'm going to do what I got to do. God is going to strengthen me to do what I have to do for the glory of his name because it's not about me. It's all about him. How many know that to be true? It's It's not about us. It's all about him. So I just, I just live my life to point people to Jesus to the best of my ability. And this is a very hard thing for me to teach because I don't like telling you how I'm trying to live my life because it sounds prideful. It's a struggle. It's a tension. Even right now, there's a tension in me because I, I don't want to talk about me, but, but I want you to know that I'm, I'm struggling with this too, that there's tension, that I'm trying to live out what I'm speaking, that I, I try to live my life just to make Jesus famous, to make him a somebody to everybody. Number five, humility is absolute absolute dependence upon God. It's absolute dependence on God. So I'm not depending on myself for anything. I'm just depending upon the Lord. I'm depending on his strength. And in fact, people ask me, hey, how are you doing with three services? I'm doing fine. I mean, by the third service, sometimes I'm a little giddy. You don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to say. You don't know how many times I've walked off this platform. Why did I say that? You know, like almost every Sunday. And can I tell you something? It's total dependence upon God. I'm doing fine. Why? Because God strengthens me. God strengthens me. 
And if you live your life to glorify God, I promise you, if you have a heart of total dependence upon God, he'll provide for you, he'll strengthen you, he'll equip you, he'll empower you to be what you need to be, to do what you've been called to do. He will give you his provision, he'll give you his supply because you're living for the glory of his name. Be totally dependent upon Jesus. Totally dependent upon Jesus. You know, one time, a long, long time ago now, uh, the church was just, there's some financial things that happened, some surprises that happened. It happened with a remodel that was far more expensive than we expected it to be. And, and I was just in tears. And I told my, my wife, I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm tired. And I don't know, I don't know how all these bills are going to get paid. And I didn't know it was going to cost this much. And, you know, so-and-so lied to me and so-and-so lied to me. And, and Jennifer just looked at me and all of her wisdom, she looked at me and she said, Justin, those are not your bills. Those bills belong to God. This is his church. He'll pay the bills. And I wish I could tell you that right then. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I wasn't like that. <laughs> it took me a little while to catch on. But I did catch on, and I turned it over to the Lord. And guess what happened? The miraculous took place. And I was scared for nothing, everybody. I was scared for nothing. There was no reason for me to be scared. Total dependency upon God. That's humility. Total dependency upon God. And then the last one, humility listens to others. Listens to others. Learns from others. And leads with others in mind. Listens. Yeah, everybody, it's not wise to do all the talking. Let me give you a word of advice. Two words of advice. Stop it. Isn't that great? You, you came to church all the way to the Sunday morning to hear that right there. You're talking too much. You need to listen more. When Pastor Larry was here, I just listened. I, I just asked questions, and then I listened. And I asked another question. I listened. I literally had a list of questions to ask him why. He's smarter than I am, and I want to grow, and I want to learn. So I just listened. And, and it was so humbling because at one point on a Sunday morning, he and I were in, in the office in between services, and he asked me a question. And I, I'm looking at him like, Pastor, I don't want to talk about that. He's like, no, you guys do it better than we do it, Bethany. How, are, how did you guys do that? Well, well, this is what we did. Oh, I'm going to take that back to, to our church down in Louisiana. I thought, here he is, a 70-year-old man who's a mentor of mentors. And he's still asking questions. He still says, no, no, you're doing it better. I want to steal your idea. How do you think that's pretty cool? That's pretty cool. Be a listener. Learn from others. I tell my pastoral staff, every pastor in our church should be an excellent thief. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. If some church is doing it really, really well, let's steal that idea and do it here. Why? Because it's not a competition. It's the church. Like if somebody's doing it, just learn from others. If somebody's living a better life than you're living, go ask some questions and learn from them. Humble yourself. Don't think you have it all together. You know what's so funny? Is I've counseled hundreds and hundreds of people. You wouldn't believe how many people come in for counseling only to tell, only for me to sit there and think, I think they're counseling me. But I'm not the one in a mess. How many know what I'm talking about? Like they come in and it's just defense of what they're doing, why they're doing it. And it's, it's almost as if, well, pastor, don't even open up your mouth. I know I came, from, for you, I, I came to you for help, but... I want you to tell you why, I want to tell you why I've been doing it, and you're not going to change my mind. Well, by the grace of God, he works in those moments. But learn from others, listen, and then lead others. 
lead others with them in mind, not for your benefit, but lead others for their benefit, for their benefit. Do what benefits them, not what benefits you. We listen, we learn, and we lead with others in mind. That's how we live it out. And we totally depend upon the love and the grace and the mercy, the compassion, the wisdom, the strength, the faithfulness of our God. Can I get an amen to that, somebody? All right, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word today. Lord, help us to walk out lives of humility, to live out lives of humility. Help it to be a habit in our life that we continually, daily humble ourselves before you. Reveal to us any time that pride tries to sneak in as a weed growing in our lives, Lord, we don't want to rip it out of our lives. Expose it to us, Lord, so that we can live lives of humility. That we can consider others before we consider ourselves. That we can think highly of others and live for the benefit of others before we live for the benefit of ourselves. That we think thoughts of service and care and love the way that you've called us to. Lord, help us not to receive any glory, but help us to point people to you every single day of our life. Lord, I pray that you would help us to make you the center of attention in our lives, in our homes, in this community, in this world. We pray, Jesus, be famous. Make your name famous. May people come to know you as Savior, as Lord, and be completely changed. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now would you stand up with me? This is a little bit different of an ending today, but I want to share with you just for the next few weeks, my wife and I and my, my family, we're going to be gone. We're going to, every June, we take a vacation. It's always in a three-week vacation. It's just, it, we've been doing it for years and years and years. It, we just get away. We need a time of rest. It, it, it does get tiring uh, to, to pastor. And, and uh, so this is just a scheduled vacation. Next Sunday morning, Paul Spasik is going to be here. You don't want to miss him. I'm telling you, one of the most gentle, loving people you could ever meet. And he, he's going to share his wisdom, his life with you. It's going to be wonderful. He's the one that wrote the book, Selah, the one that we encouraged all of you to do for your daily devotions. He'll be here this, this next Sunday. After that, Pastor Stephanie will be speaking the following Sunday. And then after that, uh, the third Sunday will be Pastor Rich, and that'll be on Father's Day. So just, just be here the, the next few weeks. I'm going to ask of you that while my wife and I are, are away on vacation, if at all possible, I tell my staff this, for emergencies, contact us. But uh, if you can, just, just try not to reach out to us. Let us really, truly disconnect and rest. Because it, it's hard. How do I even say this? <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to get rest when 700 people have your cell phone number. How many know what I'm talking about now? <laughs> So could you just allow us to rest for a little while? And I promise you, my whole staff is here to serve you, to help you. So just email the church. If you text me or, or email me, I'm not going to get it for three weeks. I'm going to shut off my phone, everybody. That's what I'm going to do. I have to do that in order to rest. And so uh, when I come back, I always come back totally recharged, ready to go. 
And I'll tell you, I'm not even, I'm tired, but I'm not, I'm not emotionally tired. I'm just physically tired. So my heart is still like, I'm jazzed up. I mean, I can't, I can't hardly stand it how I'm so excited about what God's doing here at New Song. But, but physically, we just need to get some rest. So for the next three weeks, I'll be gone. Don't, don't email, don't text me or call me or anything. Just let me rest and my family. And then the church is here for you uh, while I'm gone. And, and I'm, I'm sorry if, if that seems selfish, but uh, I just have to say it every time I go on vacation. Otherwise, what happens is people call me and then I say, well, I'm not even there. And, oh, I'm so sorry. And, you know, and then it's like, then it's ongoing. Anyway, there you go. I want you to know that I feel truly celebrated today. Thank you for making me feel so special. Thank you for being such a wonderful church family to me. Thank you for loving my wife and my kids the way that you love me. You mean everything to us, and I mean that with all of my heart. Thank you for being such a great church family. I love you so much. I'll see you out in the lobby. Thanks for all the cards and the gifts, too. I love you, and I'll see you in three weeks. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org contact. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones who God is using to make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for watching. We hope you tune in next week.